This is a GRDC podcast. Pasture legumes offer many benefits to mixed farming enterprises, such as increasing pasture capacity to carry livestock, replenishing soil nitrogen, and helping reduce weed numbers. But pasture legume species performance varies in low to medium rainfall areas, so research is underway to give growers better insight into the performance of up to 30 existing and new commercial lines. It's called the Dryland Legumes Pasture Systems Project, or DELIPS for short, and this podcast focuses on the findings of this project and recommendations for growers in these low to medium rainfall areas. I'm Hilary Sims, and joining me is project lead Ross Ballard, a senior scientist at the South Australian Research and Development Institute, the research division of Primary Industries and Regions South Australia. I spoke with Ross at the 2020 Grains Research Update event in Adelaide. To start us off, he summarises the types of legumes that were included in this research. So there's probably two broad cohorts. So there's some of the commercial material that's already out there and, and that's things like the, the annual medics that are already widely grown um, in, in these areas. And then there's some other commercial legumes that are available but not haven't been widely grown in the South Australian farm system. So we, we're interested to see how those legumes compare to the, I guess, the standard medics that, that growers usually have and whether any of them offer any, any advantages um, either in their production or um, the pattern of production they offer. And then there's a second group of material, um, which is really what we would think of as undomesticated legumes. So they might be things that there's no commercial cultivar, um, but um, um, for example, we have a, a pasture gene bank in Adelaide that has many thousands of different um, legume lines in it. And so we're asking the question, is there any potential in that to discover a, a new pasture legume um, that might offer something different um, compared to what growers have already got? Tell me a bit more about the new strand medic. The new strand medic, um, it's currently called PM250, so that's just a research name. It will have a cultivar name when it's released, and it will be released in 2021, so a a year away. Um, So it's in seed production at the moment. And it has a a couple of new traits um, that will be important um, um, to the, the systems in which it's used. One of those traits is that it's tolerant or resistant to powdery mildew. Um, which is a, a fungal pathogen um, that infects medic, um, medic pastures. Um, and it has a couple of impacts. One, one is that it reduces the, um, the production of those pastures. And the second aspect is that anecdotally we're told that once pastures are infected by powdery mildew, sheep um, are reluctant to graze them. So the, the new legume line has powdery mildew tolerance, um, which should overcome those issues. Um, it also has um, tolerance to the, um, um, a number of the Group B herbicides, um, which can exist as residues in the farming system. So we think those two traits combined will give it an advantage over the cultivars that it replaces. And in general, um, across multiple trials, um, compared to Angel Medic, PM250 has, is about 15% more productive um, in terms of its dry matter production. And um, 
it also produces very high levels of seed um, and that's important to pasture persistence. In terms of what the research is telling you, what soil type is it suited to? It's similar to other strand medics, so sort of the classic Mallee um, sand, sandy loam um, country in, in sort of 275 to 400 millimetre um, zone is, is where it's suited. So sim- similar to where um, the old harbinger is being grown, Angel and Herald people will be familiar with. Talk me through the trial set up at Lamaru and Minipa back in 2018. Very similar trials at both locations um, and they're, they're small plot trials so they're sort of um, you know, plots the size of a dining room table, five metres by one and a half metres because we're limited in seed. Um, they're replicated trials um, and the idea is, is that we, we are casting the net wider so we've got a, a range of what we call alternative legume material um, and that's being evaluated in the two environments because how the legumes perform is very um, regionally, can be very regionally specific. Um, and some of the legumes that we have are um, trigonella. Um, now people um, won't be familiar like that, but they might be familiar with fenugreek that's sometimes used in cooking, but it is sometimes grown in the Mallee. Um, but it's, it's related to the medics, but subtly different to the medics in that um, it holds its seed up on stems. Um, and, and, and the benefit of that is that farmers will be able to harvest the seed with a cereal header. Um, if this legume is commercialised and if they can harvest their own seed then um, there's no seed cost in pasture renovation and and that's one of the issues that we think is a barrier to pasture adoption in the low rainfall areas. So that's one legume. A a second legume that we have some interest in is astragalus. Um, Now that, um, there was a cultivar of that commercially available couple of decades ago but it really hasn't prospered Um, and and we know there's some issues with the root nodule bacteria that form the nodules on that plant and we've we've done a little bit of work to try and overcome that and we think we've made some progress there and so we've had that legume at the two sites and and at Minipur it's actually performed quite well Um, so overall we're just comparing those what we call alternative legumes to the mainstays and seeing if anything offers us a big gain, really. What data or information are you capturing as part of these trials? So there's three basic questions that we we ask when we're evaluating these legumes. The, the first is, will it grow in the environment? Um, the second, um, um, is it able to set seed? And that's often a function of its suitability to the environment and the date that it flowers, because there's early and late flowering pasture legumes. Um, and the third one is will it regenerate um, in the, the following year. So seed set's important to pasture persistence, but there is sometimes they still don't regenerate if the, the seed that is produced is what's called very hard seeded. What did the results tell you? So perhaps the results haven't been that surprising. Um, in, in our environments um, in South Australia on the Mallee soils, um, the medics have done um, very well. Um, and that's encouraging because we have the new strand medic about to be commercialised, so we know that we're heading in in the right direction with that. Um, and there are some interesting things, as I said, the astragalus at um, 
Minipa has performed quite well and so we're sort of keeping a watching brief on how these things continue to perform. Um, down the track what it tells us is perhaps the future opportunities are within um, the medic group of legumes for further development. So while PM250 will come out um, in 12 months time, um, that's not the end of the road. Um, we see further opportunities down the track and um, for example we, we will be looking at um, similar legumes with other traits um, that add on to PM250 and that might be a dysmetic or another strand medic. And what were the results in 2019 in terms of regeneration? So the regeneration was actually um, quite interesting um, because what it showed again is the suitability of the um, medics to our melee environments. Um, and they regenerated at several hundred plants per metre squared, um, whereas something like Biocerula, which is it's really a legume developed for Western Australian acid sands, um, not our alkaline or neutral sands. Um, it, it managed to set seed in the previous year, but it didn't regenerate. And that's because it has very high levels of hard seed. So to give you some um, perspective, I guess, on that, um, our, our strand medics, um, by the time they get to the break of the season, their hard seed levels would have declined to around... Um, 70 or 80 percent um, whereas the biocerula would still be above 90 percent and that affects the number of plants that germinate and the practical implication of that is that for the medics which have the lower hard seed levels and regenerate quite well you can get a second year of pasture out of them whereas biocerula which has the high hard seed level greater than 90 percent you're almost obligated to crop that in the year after pasture. Did you do any research with livestock grazing is there any findings there that you've had? Originally we were planning to graze it in the establishment year but it was just such a terrible year um, only 150 mils of growing season rainfall um, and so we allowed that trial to go ungrazed to maximise seed set and then the stock have gone in in 2019. And what we can report is that the um, livestock performance on all, all the legumes has been very good so far. Um, and, and so that, that trial will now go back into crop in 2020 and then be allowed to naturally regenerate back to pasture in 21 and we'll do some further reassessment of the livestock performance on it. Might just add one of the issues around um, PM250, um, and I mentioned it earlier on, is that um, when powdery mildew is present in the environment, um, the anecdotal evidence is that stock um, reduce their intake. Um, so one of the things we're interested to know is that because it's tolerant to powdery mildew, whether the stock will perform much better on it um, in the absence of any mildew infection. Um, unfortunately, the two years that it's been out at Minipa, um, we haven't seen any powdery mildew, <laughs> but we may when it regenerates back um, um, next year. We'll see how that goes. And when do you think you'll have maybe some results or findings to share from that experiment? We've already got some, some data on the, on the livestock performance. And as I said, in, in general, um, the livestock have performed 
um, very well on, on all the legumes. Um, we haven't actually measured any differences in livestock performance yet. The only thing we've seen is that they may the sheep may be avoiding the trigonella a little bit um, and that might be associated, it, it has a bit of a curry smell um, on the leaf. Um, but we're not concerned about that, like that the live weight gains have been fine and there's, we haven't observed any health issues so far. So there's already some data there. Um, this year it will be cropped so and, and then the wheat um, will measure um, total crop biomass, um, we'll measure um, wheat grain yield and we'll also measure wheat grain quality or protein level and that's, that's one of the other reasons that the pastures are important because in general um, grain protein levels have been um, declining in wheat and so pastures are one way that you can rectify that situation if you can put a, a lot of nitrogen back into the system. So we'll get um, yeah, all those measures at the end of this year. So there'll be a good data set there um, in terms of the production on the crop. And then in 2021, um, we'll go back into the, the livestock measurement. Now, Ross, you've got another trial underway, and this one's in Lamaru in collaboration with the CSIRO and it's on evaluating pasture benefits and regeneration after cropping. Give me a rundown on this trial. At Lamaru, um, there's um, four pasture legumes, and they've been set up in one or two year phases. So by that, I mean, um, if we go back to PM250, um, it may have been, it, it, one of the treatments, would it, it was sown in 2018, and is allowed to regenerate in 2019, so that's a two-year phase. Um, another treatment is PM250 that was just sown in 2019, so that's a one-year phase. So in 2020, all, both those treatments will be sown to crop. So what, what you'll be able to work out is what, what's the benefit or otherwise of two years of pasture or one year of pasture on, on the crop. And some of the things that we are specifically measuring is uh, are, well, obviously the legume production um, and, and the patterns of that production through the season, um, the legume seed set, um, nitrogen fixation of those legumes because that's really important and we've seen some significant variation in that between, between the legumes and then measures of what's going on in the soil and there's probably three significant measures. One, one is what the different pasture legumes do to the microbial community and in particular the, um, um, the pathogens because um, one of the effects of a pasture is that it reduces um, potential pathogens to the following cereal crop um, and that's done through using the Predictor B um, soilborne disease testing service at SARDI. Um, so that's, that's one thing we measure. The other one is soil water um, so what does the pasture leave behind um, after it's senesced and died? Because that can also be very um, critical to the performance of the following crop. And the third one tied to the measurement of end fixation is how much nitrogen does that pasture be leave behind after it's senesced and died? Tell me a little bit about the differences that you're seeing in the results already. In general, the medic has performed well. Um, we also have the cer Cerradella. Um, which is a WA um, bread legume, the Trigonella and Vetch in the trial. Um, so differences in production, 
Um, in 2019, those differences were greater than two tonne of dry matter. So that's quite a lot. Um, so we'd expect that to have some impact. The other principal thing we've seen so far are differences in the nitrogen fixation of those legumes, which have ranged from about um, um, 10% of the nitrogen in the legume dry matter fixed um, for the cerradella up to um, about 60% in the, um, the annual medic. And the consequence of that is that the actual amount of nitrogen contributed by those legumes varies by some 20 kilograms. And are there any other standout observations at the moment? Um, I guess one thing is that there's quite different patterns of legume production. Um, So the medics tend to um, grow reasonably well early on and then senesce quite early. And we know that because they... They have been developed for low rainfall farming systems, so they are early in their flowering. Um, the cerradella tends to, its production pattern tends to be a little bit later, so it's um, a bit slow early and then comes home with a bang at the end. Um, but it, it also appears to be a little bit later in its flowering for our environment, so it'll be really interesting to see um, whether that um, persists in, in the longer term. And so that site will be sown to crop in 2020 and some plots will also be sown to, to wheat in 2021 and so we'll have a, that will give us an idea of whether um, the legumes are able to persist through one year of crop or two years of crop. And Ross, I understand CSIRO are doing some modelling. Give me a little bit of an overview about that. A lot of the work we've described so far is um, based around small plots and, and medium-sized plots. Um, I guess the challenge is to understand how um, the findings um, impact on um, whole farms and and how that affects the profitability of farms. And so by, by using models, it, it effectively allows you to upscale the data from a small plot sort of scale to um, a farm and work out you might be able to work out what the what uh, um, proportion of legume on a farm um, maximizes um, profit and reduces um, risk for example and the other thing that models allow you to do is that um, if you understand the impacts of the pastures on um, soil nitrogen water and disease under the small plots then you can understand what, using models, what the longer term impacts of that are. So we measure it across two or three seasons. I guess the question is, what happens over a decade or two under that sort of regime? So it, it allows it to be broadened out across the landscape and through time. And sort of to summarise, what would your key messages for growers be in terms of this project? I think um, for growers... Um, Probably the key message is it's a bit horses for courses in terms of pasture legumes. So um, it's about understanding the soil type and and the rainfall environment you're in and then choosing the appropriate pasture species suited to that that environment. And so in the Mallee regions, the the medics are still the preferred option. Um, The the other perhaps thing is to understand... um, how the legumes fit into the rotation 
um, and that's related to the hard seed level. So some legumes, their hard seed breaks down and you can go um, pasture pasture if you wish, but in other situations, such as Bicerula in the Mallee, you must crop it after the, the year of pasture. So it's about understanding that. In terms of the broader system benefits, we're still measuring that, and, and really this is most of the trials um, will go under crop in 2020. Um, so at the end of this year, beginning of next year, we should have a, a, a much better understanding of the, the sort of crop impacts and benefits that those different pasture species and establishment methods have. That was Sardi Senior Scientist Ross Ballard discussing new pasture opportunities to boost the productivity of mixed farms in low to medium rainfall areas. The Dryland Legume Pasture Systems Project is supported by the Australian Government Department of Agriculture, Water and Environment as part of its Rural R&D for Profit program. Ross's GRDC update paper provides a comprehensive overview of the project trials and findings referred to in this podcast. A link to the update paper and more information about the wider GRDC investment can be found in the description box of this podcast or online at grdc.com.au. I'm Hilary Sims. Thanks for listening. <laughs>